Be a part of the Fredericton Freeze women's basketball team's $100 from 100 fundraising campaign. The Maritime Women's Basketball League team is seeking $100 from 100 businesses for their 2024 operating expenses. Email MWBA at outlook.com or fredertonfreeze.ca for details. Welcome to Late Scratches, Episode 4. I'm Bill Gibson. It's Monday, September 25th when we're recording this. Joined, as always, by co-host Brad Janes. Welcome, Brad. Nice to be back to the downtown Marysville studio. Yes, yes. And our guest, go ahead. Great guest today. We're excited to uh, announce the king of KFC. And what's really concerning is that he's all decked out in Buffalo Bills garb. Tyler Slip, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I had to represent. Uh, I got the Colonel on my shirt. Wearing right a now. Colonel Sanders t shirt. I kid you not. I've known the man now for maybe 10 years or whatever, and he is product placement, product placement. A KFC aficionado and somebody who just reminds me that he's up to his elbows in a bucket during every Bill's telecast. Yeah, uh, I'm going to try and get you guys some sponsorship, see if we can get you some buckets <laughs> yeah, for this. Yeah, at, uh, at some point, someone will come through. You keep Absolutely. saying product placement enough, some, <laughs> someone will pick up on it eventually. We're going to uh, have some fun. So Brad, great guest last week and absolute great reaction from folks out there. It was nice to, uh, we had Katie Butts, a UNB basketball player, and of course she played for the Freeze as well in the MWBA, and just an engaging personality, just uh um, and actually, uh, Tyler, your dad, Dick had, had reached out and said it was nice to go beyond the statistical data and everything and, and find out, you know, her recruiting process. She worked for the province this summer in tourism, just a whole wide range of, of different questions and uh, big concert goer and all that stuff and her charity work. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it was a lot of fun to have her and the feedback was good. It struck me listening as she is the ideal kind of student athlete you want. Like, just so well-rounded, so active in the community, like, really good basketball player, but you could just tell she's such a good person. And that's going to go a lot further when the when the career is over, right? Because she's already implemented, whether she's in Fredericton or back home in Ottawa or who knows what. If you're building that base now at her age, um, you know, as a university student with all those demands, uh, I think the future is going to be bright. Yeah, wow. you could tell she's driven, and that's just the kind of kid you want to have 12 of on your team for sure. And even in basketball, I mean, we look at the number of players that have gone pro out of the Maritime Women's Association once, you know, a couple more years. Katie could be in that bucket. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, she's got size. She's got some range. She doesn't mind the physicality. I uh, enjoyed watching her matching up against Kaylee Kilpatrick and Leah St. Pierre and Allie Berry this uh, this past season and some of the bigs. Uh, uh, you know, a, a real education playing against 30-year-old women who've been through and played pro in NCAA D1. It was awesome to hear her talk about how she got a different experience playing for the freeze than she gets at UNB. So like, yeah, I got to shoot the ball a little bit more. I got to bring it up a little bit more. But just one of those cool things that I think about the league that's neat that doesn't get talked about all the time is like it just adds to a, a player's resume. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Brad, you and I have had a couple other things going on this last week. You were at a couple hockey games, Stu Women's Exhibition. Yeah, Stu uh, defeated Mount Allison 4-1 on the women's side, and uh, they're back home next Saturday against Bishops in a preseason game. Bishops is in town to play the UNB women on Friday night at the AUC. Uh, And then the Red Wings home opener, uh, big crowd at the Grand Harvey Centre, about 1,300 on hand. 
Uh, Wings had the lead the entire game until it mattered the most in overtime. Three on three, of course, and uh, Dominic LeBlanc scored his third goal for Grand Falls in a 4-3 win. But game was rough. Like, physicality was as high as I've seen it. A lot of open ice hits, a lot of big hits along the wall. So it was it was a good game to kick the season off. Yeah, and uh, I had last-minute decision, attended that one as a fan, but did a walk-up ticket, uh, spent uh, most of the evening in a seat uh, chatting with an old friend, Dave Cass, uh, works for the city and chatted all kinds of hockey things, his travel, all kinds of stuff about that. Uh, but uh, what I really noticed all night was a Devon boy right in the middle of all of it, Cole McWilliam. Yeah, Cole McWilliam uh, with Grand Falls. And just uh, when I talk about physicality, he was uh, all over the ice, uh, open ice in the corners. Uh, thought he was certainly one of the more noticeable players on both sides. And a former Red Wing to boot. Right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And you'd kind of forget because it was the fifth year anniversary too, you know, and it's always fun to come back and uh, play in your hometown and, and, and do a good job. Red Wings with some serious injuries. Uh, Slava Melikov, who's worth the price of admission himself, he was out after the first game. So um, I know Roger Shannon, the uh, president and governor, is and Kyle McAllister, the head coach, certainly uh, hoping Melikov's back soon. Yeah, and myself, I was at a couple Royals games last week, so they did let me into the ballpark after, after my Royals field <laughs> Just charged field a double, that's uh, all. Nobody said a word about it, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't hear from anybody. I did notice there was a brand new home plate, the big, big divot at home plate that I didn't talk about last week. It was gone. Uh, it's amazing what happens when the field slows down and the city workers actually get a chance to do some work. Right, you catch up. I mean, that's well-worn and the weather has been miserable all summer, so yeah. that doesn't help either in playing conditions. And uh, Absolutely, and it's, it's great to see the Royals advancing to uh, to the championship. And uh, Yeah, they no other way to say it, but they laid the lumber to Chatham in, in no uncertain terms. That was 4-1 in the series, the one game they lost. They were missing four of their top six hitters. Some of the boys went uh, for a little excursion to Montreal to... Uh, I don't think they went to the ballet, but you never know with those guys. I, I think they went to see a concert officially is what they were out for. Um, but in the game, the lineup, uh, the games that they had, the other four that they won, where they had you know, the bulk of their, their uh, order in place, they scored 39 runs. And if you're scoring just about 10 a game, you're going to uh, win pretty much are, every yeah. game uh, there. And uh, I thought it was pretty fitting that uh, league MVP Colby Lyle last night uh, came in, bases loaded, bottom of the sixth inning in a and a chance for Chatham to, to tie it. Um, did give up an RBI single and struck out two and then pitched the seventh inning and the last out, Dylan Lester, the the import who was the pitcher of the year and top batter of the year in Chatham, the last out. So Put it to uh, bed. Yeah, really put it to bed and uh, uh, threw them into the, the finals and could be a, a surprise opponent in the finals as well in that Moncton, who finished fifth in the league, had to do a play-in game against St. John just to make it to the semifinals is up 3-1 on on pennant winning Charlottetown uh, and if boy, the way I read the box scores is correct they've got a couple of their best pitchers still that uh, should be able to go in games you know 5-6-7 so I'm sure Fredericton would rather go to Moncton for a championship series and head across the Confed Bridge that's for sure yeah uh, for sure as someone who might be in the press box a few times up there for the final uh, I would much rather it probably would be a seven, uh, 7.30 start against Moncton and probably 8 against Charlottetown for that travel time I would much rather the 7.30 start that's just getting way past my bedtime when you're starting at 8 o'clock <laughs> exactly well you can just tape Matlock you know yeah, well, yes, it's uh, it's more the first 48 that I watched, not Matt Sock, but it's not far off. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's the week. Anything else from the week we should talk uh, about? A big life decision change I made, and Tyler, you've probably been interested in this. Uh, I switched to whole wheat crackers, saltines. 
uh, last week. I thought that was pretty uh, the hard hitting Telling you, um, so I thought that was uh, certainly worthy of sharing. You know, Gibby, uh, that I am a cracker aficionado, and switching from white yes. saltines to whole weed is. Yeah, I, uh, I, is a big I learned step. that in Saint John. That's right, exactly. Like my wheat thins, but these are actual crackers. So, yeah. So Tyler, like, I, I don't want to take up your space talking about whole wheat crackers, but you know, I thought it was kind of important. Well, not that my life is that much more exciting than that, but <laughs> I mean, certainly uh, the Buffalo Bills gave me a little bit of uh, excitement on the weekend. I mean, just, Tyler is uh, hes one of these guys. He's a massive NFL fan and thinks about it 365, uh, 24-7. And uh, I don't say much being a Tennessee Titans fan. I just kind of go into my corner and say, can I take another? Um but yeah, so the Bills are, are, are going to roll, that's for sure. The Bills are looking good. They're looking like the real deal. Uh, I'm heading to a game this weekend, actually. Nice. Taking, uh, in Buff? Yep. Taking my son and my dad. Taking your son to a Buffalo Bills home game. Now, there is an education. I'll put him, put him through a table. <laughs> yeah. He's got to experience it. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the one of the most fun atmospheres. Like any live sport, pro football it's insane how many people go to those games, go nuts, like tailgating beforehand, tens of thousands of people. It's, it's like it's an atmosphere unlike anything else. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody has ever tailgated, it's a, it is an experience. And I wish there was more of it in this region, like uh, whether it's AUS football or whatever it is. There's so many rules and regulations, and I get it. I, I do get the safety rules and regulations, but it is just fun, like a pregame tailgate, especially this time of year. If you're going to a hockey game at the AUC or something, and you can actually tailgate, like, and it's nice out, yeah. the sun's out, like, it, I, I saw a UNB soccer game. I went to the women's game on Saturday against UDM, and perfect conditions, whatever it was, 74 degrees. I don't know, in a great stadium there at the at the BMO Center, and watching that, and it, that's all I could think about is you know football and soccer and just outdoors and enjoying life because it's going to get quickly that it's going to be November and rain and cold, but enjoy this time of year, that's for sure. That's that's why we pick tickets in this little window around Thanksgiving. If the weather's nice, it's like it's unlike anything else. So, anybody check out the UMB men's basketball exhibition game yesterday? I think it was. Just uh, honestly followed it online. It was uh, and UNB defeated University of Prince Edward Island on the men's side, so a good start in the preseason for Joe Salerno's squad. And uh, they'll be back in action. You're going down uh, this week, I believe. Yeah, I'll see them three times this weekend in Ross A at the Milner. It's an interesting tournament. Uh, absolutely interesting tournament. I've just traded a few emails over the last 24 hours with uh, Damian Gay, the coach at, uh, at uh, RNS, and. Uh, um, yeah, looking forward to getting down there. I've already started a lot of my prep work, but six teams, uh, eight teams, eight teams, eight teams. Um, really, two divisions. So St. Thomas, UNB, Cape Breton, Acadia, in I guess the the U Sport division. I guess we'll call it. I don't know that there's names on them. Um, and RNS, Tetford, St. Foy, and UNBSJ in the other the other division. So should be some interesting uh, matchups there for sure. Um, a bit frustrating trying to get prepared for some of that stuff stuff when you go look at lineups and oh, yeah. and they've got um, <laughs> players listed that uh, their 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 number h is what they're listed as number eight <laughs> number eight yeah there's a couple of the rosters have players by numbers a couple nice. have duplicate numbers so it's, okay. it's going to be one of those where i get there mm-hmm. and i've got a little bit of work don't to, shoot the messenger yeah. if you're listening yeah. sometimes the uh, when you're doing play-by-play you're you're hoping that the rosters are correct and uh, next thing you know you're getting a text from somebody saying that's 
Joe or Jill Smith, that's, you know, well, yeah, that's yeah not it, it happens up. a lot in the preseason. Yeah, so does. I'm used to it. But when you have eight teams to, to get ready for, you kind of hope that some of them are in good shape. Right. Some of them were in good shape, and I'm sure the others will catch up. But... I'd be surprised if you could find eight rosters for those teams this time of year. But... Yeah, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's the thing. So that's uh, I'm getting ready for that. Looking good. forward to that. Uh, I think it's uh, one, three, five, and seven on, on uh Thursday and Friday and Saturday starts, I think, 9-11. And I think then there's a coaching clinic uh, with Jim Herrick in the middle of that. And then a couple of afternoon uh, into evening games as well to wrap that up. It'd be, it'd be pretty yeah. exciting. That's yeah, cool. we're going to have that up on our Basketball New Brunswick website too. So if you're looking for details for that by the time this goes up, we'll have a little bit of info, how to register if you want to do the coaching course, that kind of stuff. So Helen Campbell this weekend as well. Helen, UMB women Helen playing Campbell three is, games starting Friday. Fun. So away we go. It's it's the great, well, kickoff for football, Tyler, down in uh, Buffalo and kickoff for basketball here in a big way. It's the best time of year. It's the most wonderful <laughs> time and, and of that's, the year. And that's Laval, Smoo, and uh, Nipissing. Right. Yep. Yes. Every sport is going. Uh, I can't wait to see the two UMB teams this year. I feel like there's like definitely a renewed energy there. Uh, the the rosters from what I'm hearing sound really good. It's every. This is the the season of hope right now. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's zero and zero and in, in thoughts of playing in that final game, right? And that's how it goes. But you have to hope springs eternal. Yep. Yep. So I can't wait to see those teams. So, Tyler, you talked a little bit about the BNB website. That's where your life is, is with BNB. Yep. Uh, as the executive director, I pulled some notes out on sort of the stuff that BNB is into, but, uh, you know, sort of free flow discussion here um, in terms of that. Anything basketball, pretty much BNB is involved. Yeah, if basketball, if a ball is being bounced, we've got something to do with it, probably. Um we're definitely in the busy season. Every age group is going, every part of the province, our minor associations, our clubs, our elite stuff, our junior EDP program is running in five different regions, our senior EDP program we've revamped this year. So our, uh, I, I always say I have all the boring work at Basketball New Brunswick and uh, Ryan Chase and Neil Smith are the two technical guys. And they get to have all the fun, but it's because they're so good at what they do and they're so smart. So they've got a whole new senior EDP program for high school kids. Um, it, it, there's there's a million things going on right now. I, we can't even keep up. And for those of you who may not know, Ryan Chase uh, was the Mount Allison University of Mounties women's coach and uh, national coach of the year at the CCAA level last year. And he's left the program and is with B&B full time. So uh, when I was talking to some people over the summer, they were shocked. I mean, news doesn't get out a whole lot. And uh, I've known Coach Chase, well, since he was a youngster. And uh, I know the passion he has for the game, and Neil and I have uh, known each other for a long time, too, so it's in good hands. Yeah, Coach Chase, I think, realized there was nowhere to go but down after being Coach of the Year in the country. So right, he yeah, said, all right, yeah. he's yeah. out on a high on. note. That's right, exactly. <laughs> well, Costanza. Yeah, <laughs> can't take that away. <laughs> Tyler, uh, nine seasons as a youth sports coach in the University of Waterloo. You grew up in a basketball family. Uh, your sister's a doctor. I'm not sure what happened to you. Uh, <laughs> but basketball, it had to be hard. Your, your mom was an Olympian. That's well documented. Uh, UNB coach and all around tremendous athlete. Um, what was it like growing up in terms of did you feel pressured to get into basketball? Not at all. Um, I mean, I, I was raised in the pit at UNB. 
the first you were like in a cradle were you not like your mom was coaching literally the first place i went after i was born was uh <laughs> the the senior women's national championships i think were being hosted in fredericton at the pit my mom was player coach on the team so the tournament started on 22nd of march if that was also my due date if i was born early she was gonna try and play if i was born late she was gonna coach but i was right on time so she had to sit out the first day or two and then uh, as soon as i could leave the hospital she went straight to the bench from the hospital and I went, my grandmother took me, and we walked around the, the, the top of the pit up there by the rail. So Wild. It, And, like, it was the best way to grow up. Like, my parents were the coaches of UNB. So anytime I wanted to go to a gym and shoot a ball, I could tag along with them, go shoot a ball. Every dinner table conversation was about basketball. So as I grew up, the more I just loved being in that space of hey what are you going to do against x this weekend what are you going to do against pei how are you going to handle that press what are you what are you going to do and so pass the potatoes so did you have like five sets of salt and pepper shakers (laughs) yeah exactly yeah working it out on (laughs) yeah um and it, it just went from there so then it was like you know i played and uh when i was done high school i had a bunch of guys that i played with that were like the perfect level to bring into UNB and challenge those players in practice. So I would study the tape of Dal and I'd say, okay, what is their, what are they trying to do in this zone? How do they rotate? What are their, what are their movements? And then I'd get my guys that I play high school with, we'd come into practice and we'd try and run the Dal zone so that the, the women could get a chance to play against that and be ready for their game. So we, we did that for a couple of years, and then eventually I, w- I was doing computer stats at the same time for the games, for the men and women's games. And so they'd come over to halftime and get the stats, and I'd say, hey, uh, you guys did a great job when you were pressing when their point guard went out, but then you went away from it the, in the second quarter. Like, you, you guys got to keep doing that. And so eventually my mom was like, why don't you just sit on the bench and tell me that when it happens instead of at halftime? That's so. yeah, true. Make the adjustment. Or after the game, even worse, uh, that type of thing. So the obviously played the game and then went into coaching. Was there a, a huge adjustment for that? I was just speaking with Colleen Daly today, the assistant coach with uh, UNB, and she's also an assistant coach with the Freeze about the change from playing and the adjustments. And she said so much time is on preparation and planning. Is that something that came naturally to you? Yeah, I think part of, I think part of, as I played basketball, and I, I played for basketball in New Brunswick way back in the day, played at Summerfest. I went over that this, this summer as we were talking about the history of that tournament. But uh, like when I was a player, that was, I, I was always trying to help people get to the spots they needed to get to, to see the stuff they needed to get to. I was probably way too vocal with my teammates about like, hey, you got to be there. You got to get in the middle. You got to like get, turn to look at the rim before you pass that or whatever it was. Uh, that was just always kind of my style as a player. So then getting into the coaching aspect, the the part I I didn't love about the coaching aspect is the worst place to watch a basketball game is from where the coaches stand. (laughs) Like the best place you can be is on the floor, seeing it, being in there from that perspective. The second best uh, angle is from where the video is. And the worst place you can watch from is from the bench. You don't have the height, you don't see the space, all that stuff. So, but 
Yeah, I always thought that basketball coaches should be behind the bench and change on the fly. Imagine having players change on the fly, how that would change the game. <laughs> yeah. For matchups and everything, it would be incredible. Yeah, it'd be a little bit hectic. <laughs> it would be. Too- You'd really start to earn your money then when you're changing on the fly and going for line matchups. Anyhow. Yeah. I think we'd need another official there probably somewhere. and the floor is crowded enough as it is there used to be an awesome rule in aus women's basketball cis women's basketball if there was any kind of um dead ball in the backcourt the referee didn't have to handle the ball so if you traveled in the backcourt if it went out of bounds the other team just literally took the ball as fast as they could and ran to the sideline and inbounded it. The pace of play was amazing. And that's what we want in today's sports. Everybody, you know, you talk about yeah. attention spans being shorter, like the, talking in tennis about eliminating lets. Like, let's go, because you want to speed up the game. Yeah, no what it is. all that stuff. I think uh, it took baseball forever to speed up the game, but now that they've done it, I feel like it's universally loved. And once we get to the umpires... Not missing the Astros pitching staff calls will really start uh, motoring yeah. things along. Your Astros got a ways to go. Yes, we do. Bring a garbage can to bang Easy. on. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about the mission and vision of BNB. I've pulled them off the website. Um, committed to the growth and development of basketball in New Brunswick is the mission. And the vision, strive for excellence and participate uh, for life. Uh, through playing, coaching, officiating, volunteering, and administering. That's a big, big vision statement. <laughs> There's a lot in there. There is a lot in there. All-encompassing, you could say. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because really what we're here for is we want to give anybody who wants a life in basketball, we want to help them on that path. So that does include if you want to be a player, if you want to be an official, if you want to be a coach, for us, it doesn't matter what level you want to do it at. We want to provide a pathway for everybody to be able to do it, um, which that vision statement certainly <laughs> includes everybody. Well, I think you do have a willingness to help, too, because if somebody wants to get into coaching, I think of Rachel Brochu, who's moving here now, an RCP officer who played at Laval, and we talked about her last week or two weeks ago, you know, wants to get into coaching. And it's sometimes it can be daunting, can't it, to try to figure out, okay, how am I going to, I'm not from here or I haven't coached before, how do I do it? But there are some pathways, aren't there? Yeah, that's the key thing is trying to make pathways where you could be a player who's left the game and how do we get you back in recognizing you have a lot of knowledge, but how do we get you skilled up again? Because the game changes the game changes so fast. I've been out of coaching for five years of university level, and it has changed enough that I need a refresher. Like that that's how fast it goes. Uh, the ideas, the concepts, the good coaches are just constantly evolving the game for sure. Um, certainly, I'm, I'm still up to date with my junior NBA kids that I'm coaching with the Fusion. Right. The U7s and U9s are still in good hands. Like herding cats out there, isn't it? Oh, oh my goodness. That's incredible. I could do an hour on that for sure. But How much about, uh, with the change, Gibby and I were talking to about uh, you know the traditional formats, B&B caters during the season anyway, to the traditional season, the U14 or 14U and, and under, and then uh, Interscholastic goes its own way, and then there's more concentration on the... Uh, 15 to 17 year olds in the summer but with the uh, more prep schools coming along be informed um, there's no real rhyme or reason somebody may start a prep school some year and then it's here today gone tomorrow but do you see an evolution in that are things changing like I I look at uh, the way hockey changed back in the late 70s when it went to back then midget 3a 
uh, high school was king for a long time, and then the, the, it was under 17 midgets at the time, really changed the dynamic of minor hockey. Do you see that happening uh, across the province? Honestly, I think that's the spot we're in right now where just looking at last summer's numbers, so we ran our uh, six provincial teams last summer, 20% of those athletes that we took to national championships have chosen not to play in the New Brunswick high school system this fall. So they're playing at prep schools in Ontario, Nova Scotia, prep schools in New Brunswick. But I think there's starting to be a recognition that for whatever reason, the New Brunswick, the NBIAA might not always be preparing all the athletes for the next level. There's certainly programs out there that are super well run. They've got a holistic approach. They're in the weight room. They're getting mental performance. They're getting nutrition. But the daily training environment where they practice every day just might not be up to the level it needs to be to really push that top tier of players. If I had a magic wand, uh, basketball in New Brunswick would try and solve that problem immediately. In what way? Uh, It would be starting our own uh, prep league, basically. The issue costs money. (laughs) There'd be a lot of howling, would there not? I think there would, but when you look at the reality of it, I mean, we've already we've already lost the best 20% of the players out of the system. So we can we could sit here and do nothing, um, but that's not going to bring that 20% of players back. And that number's not going down on right. its own, right? Like naturally that's going up. So I think, and certainly there are players at the highest end of the spectrum that will never be able to create the competitive opportunities in New Brunswick for them to be able to reach their potential. And they're going to still go play prep in Ontario or or prep in the States somewhere. But I think there's a serious middle ground there between the Ontario prep schools and between the NBIAA where uh, there's potential for a solution. Interesting. And so there's there's a lot of debate. I mean, I know how I think we should try and solve the problem. It's mm-hmm. like with a lot of this stuff. It's how many hours do you have in the day to try and, and facilities. tackle them? I mean, I... <laughs> facilities there especially in Fredericton my goodness if you rolled out a new three-court gym tomorrow you'd be booked solid yeah and that's that's the main place to try and get a solution for this stuff cost of gyms is the first place you you if you're talking about practicing every day you'd have to have a spot you can go every day that's a legitimate gym and those those ain't free let's build one Let's build on. Yeah, <laughs> I sure. get some tools in the garage. I, I noticed you got a little bit of space in the backyard. Yeah, there, space Gibby. in the backyard. The back deck's missing right you're now. You're pretty handy with yeah, pretty, pretty uh, with handy. skill saws and everything. Let's, yeah, let's get on it. Okay, yeah. that'll be the next ad the break. Next we'll be uh, late scratches. <laughs> Would like to build right. a facility. We need your help. Yes, program alert indeed. Uh, and, and I guess with the facilities and the costs and and all that, but did there, you uh, BNB come out with a tweet today uh, on social media about um, you're talking about the 20%, the upper echelon of players, but there's a lot of players that can't play due to financial uh, limitations, for, for lack of a better term. And it's hard enough buying groceries these days, let alone enrolling your child in a basketball program. Tell us a little bit about uh, what BNB is doing to try to help uh, get children into the game. Yeah, it's nuts. Inflation's kicking everybody's butt. Um, you know, even even the families you think of as being well off, like middle class, uh, 
two working parents, three kids kind of families, like the money to do extra stuff and play basketball. There's a couple of things to this, but I mean, there's the travel teams where you're signing up, you're paying a fee, and then you've also got travel every month to a tournament. Some of them are travel every two weeks to a tournament, hotels, gas, all that stuff. But even just the the regular, I want to sign up for a program in my community, basketball's always been the most democratic sport. Always, because it used to be every there were playgrounds in your neighborhood. All you needed were a pair of shoes. Didn't have to be special shoes. You could just show up at the court and play. Um, you know, a ball. One kid needed a ball for ten people, and you could play. It's gotten so expensive. Um, inflation has killed everybody. So for us, we've got two things going on. So we've got a funding resources page on our website. So there's Kidsport, there's Jumpstart, there's Pro Kids in St. John, where there's there are these organizations that have been specifically set up to help pay for equipment, pay for registration costs for kids. So we're directing people to that is one thing. The other thing, we just have like, basketball's given so much to so many people. I, it, being the boss of basketball in New Brunswick is nice. And so I get to make some decisions along with our, our lovely board um, on things like our, every kid's going to play. So if if we have a kid that can't afford, and this could be our $2,400 provincial team fee, or it could be a $140 junior NBA fee in their community. If they can't pay and they let me know they're going to play and I'll find a way to get the money. Like we'll just find a way to get the money because kids need to play basketball. It's given so much to so many people. I refuse to let the economic situation of someone not let basketball impact their lives. So we also announced the launch of our uh, high performance development fund and our grassroots community fund. So these are set up through Sport New Brunswick, the Amateur Sport Fund, and we can give charitable donation receipts to anybody that donates. So you donate to the High Performance Development Fund, and there's a list of things that that could go to. What's that probably going to go to? It's going to go to paying the fees of players. You know, this summer, I, you know, one of our team were at tryouts, and and we know, hey, if those two make the team, they're not going to be able to pay. So immediately we're down five grand on on where we kind of budget things. You donate to the high performance fund, it's going to go. So that kid is going to be able to play and it'll support that fee. If you donate to the grassroots community fund, same thing. That money is going to go when we find out a kid can't in St. John can't pay for the EDP program costs 290 bucks. Boom, you're in. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Um, there just been there have been some hard conversations with parents over the years of like, I really want my kid to play basketball, but I there's nothing in my community that I can, you know, can't pay. Or we didn't get funding from a jumpstart because last year my husband made this much money. Now he's on disability, but they use last year's numbers. And I will say Kidsport uh, and Jumpstart have become really, really good at not being red tape about that kind of thing. Um, they'll take your your story and like nobody's trying to scam this. We just know inflation has killed everybody. So 
Sorry, long-winded on that, but... <laughs> no, that's uh, that, that's good, and you brought that around sort of full circle. I was going to ask because you talked earlier about sort of the the prep level and how much money that takes, and, and then we talked about, you know, you, uh, um, you know, the people that can't afford to play, so I was going to ask you to bring that around, but you did in your comment already to, to sort of, there was a bit of a, a difference there in, in those two concepts, but you, you close that off nicely with saying that some of that can pay for some of the elite players who, who may not be able to otherwise afford. Yeah, and we've set up the two funds so that you can put the money where you feel like it's going to have the most impact. Um, and like we go back to those the, the mission and the vision, the vision is for everybody to be able to pursue basketball at the level they want to pursue it. Um, so that does include the kid that might get a university scholarship if they can get identified through playing on our under 17 team at nationals and get seen. And that's going to end up, you know, changing the course of their lives, uh, same way as a, as a 10 year old that just wants to be active with their friends. So, so let's go there. Let's talk about nationals. Um, they were again this year, I think Quebec and Alberta, if I'm correct in the the 15s and 17s, um, boys and girls results there down a little bit this year. Yeah, a bunch of ninths. We, uh, when we looked at it going in, I think we identified two teams would have a pretty good shot in the quarterfinals, depending on who they matched up against. And when we got there to the week, it just happened. We didn't win those two quarterfinal games. And then the letdown from that maybe doesn't doesn't get your results. It is a letdown, too, if you don't get past there and you're playing in the placement games. Yeah, and, you know, Nationals is so funny because a bounce here or a bounce there in the, the qualifying round gets you a different seed, gets you a different matchup, gets you something different, but... I mean, yeah, you don't you don't love having the results we had this summer. I think where we take some comfort is I think the process that we use and the whole system around our provincial teams and how they're supported and the technical things they're trying to do. We've got a lot of comfort with that. We just want to see we want to see some top fives, top fours in there if we can, for sure. Well, and make no mistake, they are outstanding quality of basketball in those tournaments. I, I look back at the, the tournaments that were here, and we were all part of that, all three of us here around the table, uh, those and that, that 2019 tournament uh, where the men finished third. Um, it was electric that day. It was amazing, just an absolutely amazing day. I was downstairs doing some of the, the U15 and and uh, did make it up for the because of the little weather blip we had there or power outage whatever, whatever was going on on that on that last day oh, yeah. i guarantee you that was the only national championship where they had a shot clock on an ipad remember yeah. that we oh, had paul goodness. hickey was one of them holding an ipad yeah. shot clock because we lost power we the both of those weeks i have put it out of my mind for ptsd reasons probably but like the things we went through during that week and the the girls week too absolutely nuts you don't uh, prepare for those in no and, and bill hunt talked about one of those in our week two guest here or episode two guest here on on light scratches um that that's something that you just there's no way you have that on your checklist of things you get ready for um you know just just back to that that was one where as i said new brunswick finished third norm burry was an all-star on that you look at that all-star team 
Um, two guys who first round NBA picks. Yeah. Another guy in the tournament who was a first round NBA pick, but didn't make the tournament all-star team and talking about, you know, Shaden Sharp, um, Olivia Maxence Prosper, who was drafted this year, uh, and Benedict Matherin, who was tournament MVP. Um, you know, uh, Sharp and Matherin went, I think they were six, seven or five, six in last year's draft back, and, yeah. and Prosper, was you know 26 27 something like that to dallas in in this year's draft like that's a level of talent we're talking about at these national tournaments and i think brad it was you that sent me a picture an email not that long ago of me at the scorers table doing whatever i was doing and uh old mac prosper there with the ball in front of me like oh that's pretty cool to see like you don't realize it at the time well sure because you're watching players of that of that caliber you think it's under 17 and under 15 but these kids are very close to into the next level and it's it's not just a youth tournament it's a there's so much skill set yeah and uh, and amazing the u15s from that tournament have yet to sort of get to that point where they could be drafted so they're could getting be, close could be a whole nother yeah. raft of those players that end up in the nba i mean we certainly need to do i think canada basketball and the provinces need to do a better job marketing that tournament because when you think about it like Don't get me started, please. Do not (laughs) fire me up here on a Monday on that. But because I've sat in the organizing committee with you and I see the national sponsors for our Canada basketball. And I get you have to put money into our senior men's and women's team, thousand percent. But it's these players at that level that are the next. So why are some of these national sponsors not funneling down locally to help the product? Because it's not cheap to run a national tournament. And I'll tell you, uh, you did a tremendous job. Mike Levine, that organizing committee, uh, back-to-back national championships was as good as any I've attended, if not better. Yeah, we still do get some pretty good feedback on that. As you should. So I have one question coming out of that. Did the lost box of medals and t-shirts ever arrive? Remember that? Oh my Lord, I forgot about that too. <laughs> Holy... Yeah, so we got the, I can't even remember how that came about, but I think we're sitting there midweek saying, hmm, open the box, we're looking for, I think we found the, no, we didn't even find the stuff for the All-Stars, the prizes for the All-Stars. They had lost a box or not sent a box to us, so <laughs> supposed to have that sub. So uh, God bless Ben's trophies on the north side here. I'm pretty sure they whipped something up for us, and then we ended up getting yeah we did get the medals later because we did send them to the provinces i do remember that yeah ben, ben's trophy is unbelievable just oh, a, a yeah, great, yeah. I a mean, great had, local business like a story, day so. and a half notice product alert product alert but it was uh yeah, it was like you know, okay get us a bunch of ribbons and get us some medals and every medal that we handed out that weekend that saturday we were whispering to the players okay this isn't the real medal like the real ones are coming but uh it was quite a story and that's something you don't forget oh my god i did forget <laughs> there I, i'm sure go. there's a hundred things that was so chaotic i'm it sure was. there are a hundred things i've forgotten about since mm-hmm. then we talk about players um coaching in new brunswick there are some truly outstanding coaches i think of um well the list is almost endless from from john hickey to to chase to jimmy waters madeline belding peter kelly now air mcleanan's in you had jeff speedy who used to be on the board like there's just coaches a plenty uh in the province that's something bnb has to be proud of we punch way above our weight in terms of coaching talent i it's like i i think our coach development system that we have right now within basketball new brunswick and the high performance system is awesome first of all but 
uh, it just seems like there's actually a really long tradition of good basketball coaches. Um, I know for sure the people we've got involved in our high performance, if you're if you make one of those teams, you're going to be well coached. Well coached, and one of the Ryan Day, of course, has stepped aside from coaching. And I know Ryan coached a number of years and had the great line one day during a halftime speech when he was blowing a gasket, told his players he was so angry he was going to go out and throw rocks at nature. So you're also missing good coaching and good <laughs> and good lines. So next time you're angry, just say, "Ah, I got to channel my inner coach Day here and go throw rocks at nature." Yeah, he's got some good lines on that guy. He's a great Twitter follow too. He's he's a real fun Twitter follow. He's got some got some good ones. Yeah, he's stepping aside. He was a longtime coach at Fundy Fundy High in St. George, and uh, his children are now growing up and playing. So it was time to step back and watch his own kids, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, you say watch. I'm sure it's oh, coach. Well, I'm sure he's going to be involved. So he'll be coaching like soccer and field hockey or something too. Yeah, yeah. he'll be he'll be coming right up through the Fundy Minor the Basketball yep. Association. Right. And, yeah. So on coach development, I see somewhere either on your website today or on Twitter, there's a couple of open house sessions coming up. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is one of our coolest ideas I think we've ever had. This is a Ryan Chase baby. Uh, but basically, because, again, there, we just have so many good connections to, to coaches around the province, the idea came up of why not partner with coaches, have an open house for your practice, bring in anyone you want, can register, come in and just watch a coach operate in their own context with their own team might not be the most applicable stuff they're doing on the court if you're a U11 coach and you go watch uh, tomorrow night's Aaron McAleenan at 7.30. Sorry, depends when you're listening on this. Tuesday, September 26th, 7.30 is Aaron McAleenan. So for you to be able to go in, watch her coach, watch her staff coach, uh, last year they would it, it depends on the coaches but they would uh, have a pre-meeting with some of the coaches and say hey here's what our practice is about this is what we're working on this is why here's how we're stepping through it do you have any questions what do you want to know and then at the end of practice they debrief with them so they say okay here's what we did you know we we tried this we would jump to this maybe we weren't ready for this so next time we'll do it another way Um, I, you know, we had this moment where I told this kid this and they really got it. So now I'm going to use that terminology. Like, it's just so cool to be able to do that. And coaches have been amazing opening their doors to that. It's really, it's a phenomenal, like I haven't been to that one, but I know this year, Brad, you allowed me and you and Kevin Daly, you know, insider with the freeze a little bit, attend a number of the practices, uh, the tryouts. It it was amazing to me because it's been a lot of years since I've been in in that mode and haven't been to a tryout or a practice in you know 30 years or so um, ironically it was at FHS my last, my last <laughs> one when I was in FHS um, and then back there again for that and it was really it was eye-opening and it was uh, just phenomenal to see how coaches right from the very beginning how coach Daly was you know building the freeze program up from what he wanted it to be from tryout number one like didn't wasn't waiting around for uh, oh, you know, you're, no you're not showing selection. up saying, what are we going to do? I mean, right. coaches are so well prepared these days. It's um, and, and I can only imagine what coaches that you've got lined up there. I know in the Fredericton area, it's uh, Salerno and McAleenan and Hickey and uh, Connors, uh, I think are the four that I saw there and various other coaches, uh, Paul Vaughn at UMBSJ, 
I forget the other names that I read, but I did read them all. Yeah, yeah. We had a really good uh, selection of coaches last year, and we'll just keep filling that as we keep getting coaches to agree and set a date and a time that works. So we'll keep filling that up all fall. Women in coaching. So starting to grow, finally. Uh, your mom, I mean, was a trailblazer uh, in, in, in many ways, and then just difficult uh, to, to get young women coaching. And I know I talked to um, some coaches uh, along the way saying that they just – you know, the pressure of from parental pressure to scholastic pressure to whatever was just too much at, say, 22 or 23. Uh, but now I see more, like I know uh, Eva Tomwini is now jumping into FHS JV, and Leah Bowers has her own uh, uh, school, I guess, or club out in New Maryland where she's coaching. Are you starting to see a little more? Are there more opportunities for females in coaching? Yeah, and I think we're trying to be intentional about building that as well within basketball in New Brunswick for sure on the elite pathways, trying to create some more structure to that, trying to create some coach development plans that are individualized to a coach about, okay, what's your goal with coaching? Where do you want to get to? How can we help you get there? Uh, Whether it's, you know, learning stuff or the contacts we have or just connecting them with other coaches. Uh, so that's a big piece of it. I think the other thing we're trying to do is to create some women's only spaces for coaching. Um, we're trying to get the great Pauline Lorden uh, has has done heavy lifting so for us. So happy back at the game. Like, oh, just tremendous. She coached an under-16 girls team for us this summer. And the feedback from the players and parents was awesome. Yeah. I saw her briefly at the Legacy Cup weekend and just, you know, tremendous player tremendous person so to get her back onto the floor is kudos to bmb yeah so uh the plan is to have her this fall get certified to be able to take the uh to do the learn to train course so that we'll be able to run a women's only learn to train course um again not a silver bullet for sure but i think from our perspective it's trying to be more intentional about creating options for women and how can we help them so, Brad, you mentioned a couple names here already about you know, women in coaching. You just mentioned Eva, who will be incredible from what I saw in the freeze practices. She's and, intense. And I didn't see it like when she played at UMB and FHS, but you see it in practice, how much of a leader she is on the floor with her teammates and you know directing traffic, if you will, in, in practices, helping players get to where they're supposed to be. Uh, just not one of those things that I'd picked up watching her play she'll be a great coach um you know i don't know where she is on that continuum and and uh you know a bit bit of a sort of guess sort of personal situation with her there what where she is is where she is and she'll i'm sure she'll do great with the jv team uh and then uh, rachel brochu who we didn't get to see a lot of with the freeze but what little bit we did amazing personality that would translate so well to coaching coach. absolutely they, they, they're the type of people who Wow, you think about where they could be with, you know, part of a, po- a coaching program, not poaching, coaching. <laughs> coaching uh, yeah. We don't want to that, poach that, them. That, that, well, we, would, <laughs> we might want to <laughs> poach yeah, some exactly. of them for us. But. Yeah. Joined here by Tyler Slip, the uh, uh, executive director at Basketball New Brunswick. And uh, when you're talking about coaching and you're talking about players, the, the fraternity is, is very inviting. I know I've sat at many extended tables um, after a camp or a clinic and everything, and everybody... Uh, shares ideas and you can just you know if you have two ears open you're going to learn a lot with uh, with coaches not only in New Brunswick but you can approach coaches anywhere hey coach you have a second and they're just incredibly accommodating 
Yeah, I mean, basketball is one of those sports, I think, that's got it right where there's not really trade secrets. Or it's almost like the more you give away, the more you get back. I heard this idea recently on, I, I can't remember who told me this, but they were talking about Australia used to lead the way with bringing coaches in. This is in the mid-2000s, I think. They had their their athlete institute in uh, in Sydney, and they would bring. They were like world leaders in bringing people in and sharing information. And their philosophy was, "We'll bring you in. You can learn anything you want, but we have to like we have to get information from you too on how you do things and what you do and why you do them." So they had an awesome run for their national teams uh, around the Sydney Olympics, uh, but they they started to close their doors to it as it got close to it like hey let's protect our ideas let's protect our stuff and since then they've kind of fallen off interesting and somebody as if that's the reason but <laughs> somebody presented that as a theory sure. and i'm like mm, that sounds good it could like, be. yeah <laughs> it's a uh, and i coach i had the pleasure of coaching with ryan chase and he had one of the best lines i'd ever heard when he addressed because you always have to address the parents in youth basketball and he told the parents after he picked the team that he was going to coach every child the same way what they chose to do with it was up to them. And I thought that I've never forgotten that. It sounds like uh, such a simple thing, but it's true. He coached every player the same way. Some said, yeah, I'm going to grab this. Some didn't, but I thought that was a pretty good philosophy. That is a good one. And it's a good idea to set your parental expectations. How tough is it? Is is it getting, and and we've all been around youth sports. Uh, I know there's a, there are a lot of tremendous supportive parents. But it's the ones that uh, that you see on social media, on Twitter, that really get uh, too much of the attention, I guess. But uh, how, how is it in, in the youth basketball world? I think I'll be charitable and say I think sometimes the squeaky wheels make it seem like it's worse than it is. Um, I'll say that. But on the other hand, it's worse than it's ever been. Wow. <laughs> like parents are just uh, out to lunch sometimes with what they think they know. And like, I coached for a lot of years of basketball. I don't, I have enough humility to know that when I watch a team play and I watch a coach coach, like, I don't know what they're trying to do from the sideline. I might have an idea, but like, you've got no idea how hard the job of a coach is. And when we start to have parents that are like the agent for the player, it, it's nuts. So I know like it, it's become, I hear at least once, uh, once a week, someone says, Hey, remember back in COVID when parents weren't allowed in the gym? Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> like I, I hear that all the time. I know for sure from the discipline issues that I have to deal with as executive director, um, knock on wood, uh, almost none of them are the coaches of the team. Almost none of them are players doing something wrong. It's almost always a parent of a kid that's causing a problem that takes an endless amount of hours to deal with. And, and children have to fail, right? And, and not everybody is. There's, you know, one of the things about, you know, not everybody can be a starter. Not everybody can be whatever particular role. And uh, so it, it does get a little bit frustrating. And you hope every year you see the signs in the gym and some have to sign waivers and everything, and that's as good as the paper you sign that that second, right? And um, you know we've all seen it. Um, 
you want to you want to cheer and i felt bad being in the stands every once in a while beaking referees like i'll just like oh why did i say that you know um so I, I think you have to almost walk into that gymnasium with a mindset of okay i'm here to watch a basketball game i mean you just can't think yeah you at some point you have to realize i don't know more than the coach that's coaching i don't know more than the referee that's refereeing and if i think i do then maybe I should get into coaching or maybe I should get into refereeing. Officiating basketball, I, I can't imagine. There is so much going on. Like hockey's a little more because you're puck-centric and everything, but you don't have to worry about traveling in hockey or football or anything like that. Did he take an extra step? Did she move this way? Uh, uh, you know, who's in the key? Like it's amazing. And it's I do have incredible respect for basketball officials because there's so much at a high pace, especially at the higher level. You get into the MWBA, the AUS, ACAA. Wow. I'm getting my stripes this fall. You are? I am, yeah. Wow. I've, I've made the commitment. I'm going to go to the uh, Adam Humphrey that runs yeah. the, he's the assigner for the zone that Fredericton's in. They've got education sessions. We're going to post them all on our website. So if you want to go try officiating, if you want to see what it feels like to get yelled at by an 11 year old's dad, <laughs> you can go, you can go get Give into it. Give me up for it. Yeah. I'd love the Adam Humphrey story, though. I mean, I look at Adam Humphrey, and when I went to high school, he was a guy that was working the scorer's table um, at FHS religiously, and he was probably doing the job of three people at one time. And I think it was Dave McManus and uh, um, the other official there that uh, I can't think of his name right now, uh, Brian Whitfield. Brian Whitfield, who I think talked him into getting officiating. And, and officiating. And he's gone from that guy behind the desk who you couldn't, like when I was there, I, I couldn't picture him, you know, out running up and down the floor. And, and he's a, he's, he refs at the university level. Yeah, now. Like, referees, the umpires. Referees, the umpire, uh, like just yeah. an incredible story of what he's yeah. done in sport from, from that guy who started, you know, sitting, sitting behind the desk. So it's a story that, you know, I would, uh, Love to tell some someday because it's another one of those and sort sport. of neat stories of, and of the, what you can do in sport uh, and the scheduling. Because like, the there's eight thousand four hundred seventeen games on a Saturday, and you've got to come up with yeah. referees. And I know some of the officials well over hundred games last year just in the Fredericton area. Oh yeah. yeah, they're desperate for people to officiate around the province. Like yeah. even we are. Last year. Uh, we had more basketball games happen than any other year on record for basketball in New Brunswick. So like we have fully boomed back after COVID for sure, but our number of officials has not come back. So we had teams like all around the province that had games scheduled. People were supposed to come. They get there to the week or two weeks and the assigner says, Hey, oh, no. sorry, we don't have any refs. You can't play this week. Uh, we had to, the amount of juggling we had to do with provincial championships to number one facilities to try and find a facility but then in a place where there were also enough officials to be able to do that level of a tournament uh we almost had to like cancel postpone play without referees like it it's it's a crisis and not only basketball and a lot of sports you hear it but uh it's we definitely need to attack it do you see the um social media today in ontario uh, minor hockey officials are wearing cameras on their chest to, for exactly that. So if there is an incident or are incidents, it's recorded. That's what we've come to. Yeah, like, that, that, that's crazy. That? And I, I just want to jump back just a little bit. And I, and I know, unbelievably, we are rapidly already almost at an hour. Crazy. Uh, which is, is past time, you know, 
pretty quickly. But um, one of the things that I had written down here, Tyler, and you sort of get into this was the politics of minor sport, because when we reached out or put the word out there, we were looking for topics. I had it come to me in two or three different ways about the politics of minor sport and, and not uh, not being a parent myself uh, and having been quite a number of years ago since I was in minor sport uh, and with my parents, it was, you know, the what the what the coach said was what the coach said and the team that the coach picked was the team that the coach picked. I'm hearing stories of places where there's mediators in place to evaluate kids to see what team they should be on and how do you get into that and talk about those things. And that could, I mean, that's a whole other episode in itself. But what I'm hearing from you, that's a real thing that we should talk about. Oh, absolutely. I, I'll say every good kind of sport and association has a process set up around tryouts, first of all, so that it isn't um, this one person makes the decisions on all these people. But I'll tell you the place where the hardest place that uh, tryouts and evaluations happen is when you're talking about, so uh, let's say in Fredericton for U11 basketball, they would probably have 80 or 90 boys show up to try and play on a rep team or like a travel basketball team that that's kids that just, they just want to play. Um, to do tryouts with that many people is close to impossible. Like it's very difficult. And when you're talking about 11 year olds, you also don't really know what they're going to end up like. Um, I always go back to the, uh, to the story from, uh, it's one of the Malcolm Gladwell uh, things I don't ascribe to all of his theories, but one of them is if you look at the birth month of all of the like uh, hockey teams that make it to the world championship, they're so front loaded with kids born in January, February, March, that when you go back to like, it, it makes no sense when you're 28, there's no difference between someone born in January, born in December. But when you're talking about a 10 year old, who was born in January compared to a 10 year old that's born in December. Like yeah, there's real. actually a big physical difference. And so what usually happens, the younger that you do selections, more than likely what you're doing is just picking the kid who is matured first. You're just picking the kid who at that moment is a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. And that has no bearing on what they're going to be like after puberty. So when you think about or when you hear about sports systems in Europe, there most of them do not have uh, travel situations or like real true cuts and selections until they're 13 or 14. That was more the world that I grew up in in sports where, you know, there still was, you know, I think about baseball when there were baseball associations all over the city. There was Marysville, there was Nashville-Cess. Um, New Maryland, Fredericton South, multiple associations, and within each association, you know, as a youth, there were three, four, five teams as a as like a host league, and then there would be, you know, a rep team picked out of that that would essentially go at you know different points in the year and play. Uh, but we all relatively played together, and it seemed to me it was sort of like that in hockey too. And this is getting into a whole nother <laughs> ramble about what you just said about, do, you know, are we sending kids all over the province at, at too young a age to play when they might be better off suited 
in a rec league at home or in a competitive league in their own their own area. Um, that's that's a whole other topic, and we don't have to say anything about that today. Well, but I, I, could, like that. I could do an hour on <laughs> that could, one. Yeah, yeah, it's part two. But, I, I miss I miss just going out for a walk with the dogs, seeing a ball hockey game doesn't exist. Uh, pick up basketball. It's not happening. Uh, flag football, whatever. Like I miss that part. Everything is so structured now, um, and you know you feel, you know, too many feel that if your if your child's not in such and such a program, they're going to fall behind. When you learn your best moves on the pond, hockey, I'm talking about, or on the court when you're just messing around and you don't have to answer to anything. Yeah, it's those spaces that aren't coach-led that are, I think, the most effective for kids to learn, right, unfortunately. To learn. Yeah, and have fun. And you know what? Fall down, eat a pound of dirt, and get back up. Yeah. but So, Brad, as we move towards uh, wrapping up episode four here, I think you've got some short snappers for Yeah, time. we uh, we decided just to have some fun. So you're the first guest out of, uh, well, you're our third guest, and hopefully we have a fourth guest at some point in time. Uh, but we wanted to try some just rapid-fire questions. We get into some, you know, pretty intense uh debates and discussions here like the one we just had and i i certainly and i know gibby and i both appreciate your honesty when assessing uh today's sport at the, at the youth level i thought it was fantastic but let's have a little bit of fun with some rapid fire questions y'all set you don't have time to think fire away all right favorite spice montreal steak spice really on yeah. everything uh no on the right stuff uh roasted potatoes steak weirdo uh <laughs> favorite subject in school um gym class it's an easy <laughs> does one. that count come on okay <laughs> something that you you know you could wear dress shoes at okay political science if that's uh if i if i have to pick one if you're not coaching in the oua or, or returning home to new brunswick with your family um what are you doing if you're not involved in basketball oh god i have no idea i think about that all the time um uh, it, it's such a good question because sport has given so much to me it's hard to imagine not being in sport but uh, I do love I do love cooking um, more than I probably should. So so maybe it's cooking. Okay. Well, on that note, what's your favorite dipping sauce? I know you're a big wing guy. Favorite dipping sauce? <laughs> Gotta be some kind of garlic aioli. Maybe. Uh, I mean, a hot sauce depends on I'm eating, but depends who if the Bills are winning or losing. And the last one, favorite athlete growing up? Uh, it was Larry Bird. For sure. That's the guy, like, I'd go out. We had a little court next to our house. I'd go out there, and I'd be playing against Michael Jordan, playing against Magic Johnson. I'd be jab-faking against the air, pump-faking, trying to get them to jump, like... I, I honestly think, like, one of my one of my biggest beliefs about sport is you... If you are going to be good, you have to be able to practice, like, when it's just you, imagining the opponent actually doing stuff and and your movements having meaning i'm a huge believer in that yeah larry bird answer gets you big points at this table and like <laughs> you i used to used to go outside and play against larry bird there was also otis bird song charles oakley nate branch anything that was around that you could make an nba name out of <laughs> they were they were the guys that were out there playing on the court with me. Paul McArthur uh, would be happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, Brad, should we wrap up with what's on tap this Fire week? Uh, Stu Soccer, uh, home Saturday and Sunday. Saturday MSVU, 2 and 4.15. Sunday UKC, uh, the October 1st, 12 and 2.15. Stu Men's Volleyball Exhibition Game, home 
against La Cit on Friday. I think they play UNB volleyball this weekend as well, La Cit. I'm not 100% certain of that. Um, Stu women's hockey, Saturday, September 30th versus Bishops at Grand Harvey. I think you're going to be away for that one, actually. I am. I'm just getting back home, but just too close. Uh, my flight gets there, not enough time to scoot me over there to do and the play-by-play. And then Stu at UNB on... On the first, That's on, right. the, on the next Absolutely. day. Absolutely, and UNB women play Friday night against uh, UNB Bishops as well. Play, play Friday night at Bishops. UNB men's hockey, uh, a couple games this week. They're playing on the north side of Fredericton as well, playing at Willie O'Ree Center. I was trying to think, and my memory is not bad, but it's short. Has uh, there been a university game played at the Willie O'Ree? Oh, I think there must have been. I think yeah. UNB's done that a couple times. Okay. I'm, I'm not interesting. certain of that. But playing uh, Toronto Metropolitan, former Ryerson, bold. Yes, uh, playing there Friday the 29th and then back at the Aiken University Centre on Saturday the 30th. Uh, the Red Wings on Sunday, are you going to be there for that one? I am going to be there, 2 o'clock. Uh, that's going to be uh, Summerside. Summerside now in the East Link South Division, transferred out. They're a perennial power, that would be fair to say. Yeah, I thought uh, Fredericton was hoping to see the end of Summerside, but here they come. On uh, That's always just a, a solid program over there. Uh, here they come. We talked about these last two that I've got on, on my list. And then, Brad, if you've got anything else to add here. Uh, senior baseball playoffs. We talked about the Royals are through to the finals. Uh, Moncton and Charlottetown still playing in the semifinals. So check the league website from New Brunswick Senior Baseball. Uh, NB Senior Baseball, I think, is the, the actual website for the dates and times of all of those games, the semifinal and, and the final. So chance that the finals actually open here at, at Royals Field. Uh, and as we talked about, I'm off to... Uh, to Rosse for the Milner Invitational uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We talked about uh, the Helen Campbell here this weekend. Uh, Gould's coming up at St. Thomas. Uh, the Gould is coming up. That's uh, a couple weeks away, and, and we'll have more on that, I'm sure, in the, in the weeks to come. Uh, and I know the other thing that I've had feedback on, Brad, is uh, um, you know one thing I'm not sure that you and I really care so much about this feedback, but, but we've... Uh, We've had uh, a few people say, you know, let, let's get some guests on that aren't basketball guests. Yep. So we're working, no, we're working no. on that as well. <laughs> no. yeah. You know what? See, we don't, <laughs> we don't have to take There's that the basketball many. union, the president of the, the FBU, the Fredericton Basketball Union. Tyler Slip, ladies and gentlemen, send all your comments to him. And, and you know what we are? I, I think we just kind of get into a little bit of a basketball run here. And, and trust me, we've talked to uh, uh, some people in the hockey world and other sports curling um, that we're, that we're certainly going to uh, diversify, but, uh, uh, it's going to be fun getting guests. Yeah, there, there were, there were, I mean, scheduling these things, there's yeah, lots of people that said we'd love to come either. on, but it's, yeah. you know, uh, to nail Brad down and his busy social schedule is, is near right. impossible. He's off to, off to Boston <laughs> this week. Uh, I'm in, I'm in, uh, Rosse, as we mentioned, uh, just scheduling that is sometimes a bit, uh, a bit of a challenge because we both actually get you know day jobs that we do. <laughs> yeah, It'd be great exactly. if this was all that we could do. That's right. Absolutely. We could get guests in. But yeah, we absolutely great uh, episode again here. I think, uh, and uh, you know, Tyler, I, I asked this to, to Katie Butts and probably should have asked before we went on top. Is there anything we didn't talk about you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I just want to take two minutes to say how much I love this podcast. Like, it's amazing to hear. There are just so many good s- stories. Like you just rattled off. 30 sports events happening in the next week or two weeks uh it's a shame that there's not a daily newspaper with a sports section as robust as the action out there uh, calls for 
So the fact that you guys are here, that you went out of your way to make your own podcast and do this and tell the stories is awesome. Sounds like we have to have Tyler on again next <laughs> week. <laughs> I think I think there's about three or four episodes of content here with Tyler based That's on true. And there all the things be. that we didn't get into that we could absolutely, have. absolutely. No, it has been fun, and and we do appreciate Tyler you coming and fighting uh, Northside traffic with the 37 construction zones and uh, to to make your way to downtown Marysville. It's been great. Well, as long as I can get my parking validated, <laughs> I will come back anytime. Yeah, I think you're okay out there. I think think the the parking's good. Um, I got my my guard cat watching out the window, so he's. He's all set. Uh, Brad, anything else you want to get in here? No, I think just uh, UNB soccer on the road, playing SMU and Dow on the weekend uh, in AUS. The women 2-3-2, two, and two, the men 5-1-1, one, and one, off to a good start. And uh, so the conditions were a little better uh, this past weekend than they were during a uh, crazy storm, that's for sure. And the ACAA uh, Golf Championships, men and women, coming up in October 14th and 15th on the island. Excellent. Yeah, you've picked up a few things there. I, I limited my list to things that were happening here locally. I think we could... Uh, on our What's on Tap, uh, there's another sponsor opportunity. Someone wants to go. jump on the What's on Tap. Um, yeah. yeah. We, Especially we... sitting across from a huge connoisseur of craft beer. Oh, absolutely. There's another episode, Gibby. That's yeah. an hour. You know what? The part of my invitation was that uh, Gibby's celebrity keg was going to be tapped for this. He, Brad told me that. <laughs> Got you here under false pretenses. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought it was going to be flowing. but Well, we haven't quite got there yet. We will. Uh, we but will. we will. We will, Absolutely. I'm sure. That's right. All right. So should we wrap it up right there? Wrap her up. It's All like right. Well, I'll, I'll press the magic button. We'll pay a couple bills. And thanks for watching and listening to episode four. Go Bills. Do you have questions about what goes into your blue or gray recycle box? Contact the Capital Region Service Commission's Solid Waste Division Recycle Hotline at 453-9938 or email recycle at capitalrsc.ca. That's recycle at capitalrsc.ca.